You are listening to The Holy Backboard on the Sage Digital and Nothing But Net networks. For more on your trailblazers, go to iTunes, search The Holy Backboard, and subscribe today. Let's go! All right, everybody, welcome to the 133rd edition of the Holy Backboard Podcast. I am Dustin here in Rip City, and I got my man... Sage, chilling in... Oh, whoa, Beaverton, Oregon. I'm here in Beaverton, Oregon. I'm chilling, though, and uh, man, it's been a long time since we've done a podcast. These damn winter holidays, man, it it really messes up the schedules. Yeah, I felt it was a, it was a nice little break. Definitely, definitely. But, you know, it's always good to be back, man. We had a hundred and... However many episodes straight, took two-week break. Feeling good, feeling refreshed, man. I am, and I am feeling refreshed. Had a Having a spa day today with Olga, you know, coming back, doing the podcast after about two weeks, it's, it is. It's refreshed, it's rejuvenating, because for a while it was like the team was just up and down, up and, and down. It was just like, need some consistency in my life. So I'm glad to get this back on with you my friend and we've got quite a bit to talk about uh the blazers are five and three since we last recorded in late december currently sitting at 23 and 17 basically in a four-way tie for fourth out west uh it's really jumbled right now and uh every game is incredibly pivotal uh, we are almost at the halfway mark to monday's game against the knicks will mark the 41st game and it's it's crazy how we're in January and we're st- we're just hitting the halfway mark. It feels like it it was just opening night. Mm-hmm. It absolutely d- it you know it goes by so quick. Like basketball is my main entertainment for these winter months because it sucks going outside in the rain and the wind and all that shit. So you know instead of doing something outside, it's like oh I'm gonna watch this. Brooklyn Nets Hornets game instead or you know it it really is my entertainment for the day so like realizing that it's almost halfway through the season is kind of like damn it's sad but then it's gonna be spring relatively soon so I'm pretty happy about that halfway through the year 23 and 17 what what grade are you handing out to the Portland Trailblazers I mean the first 10 were great the 10 after that was shit and now you see Nurkic playing well you see Dame putting in numbers you at least see that there's bones to work with and that's a good thing I'd give it a solid B I mean we're in the playoffs and that's the most important thing is being in the playoffs one because I think it's good normally I'd be about a tank but I don't think there's good enough uh, draft players in where we're, the Blazers will likely be drafting. So winning is pretty important. And then it's just good for the culture. So I'm happy that we're back to the winning ways of Rip City. I'm going to go a uh, solid C+. Okay, man. Just just above average. And I think that's really where the Trailblazers are right now. Yeah, I get it. It's the best record through 40 games post-Lamarcus. Um I completely understand that. But what I think gets lost is this is a really talented roster. Mm -hmm. Yes, there are players that don't fit. That's not up to to Neil Olshay 
I mean, how they're being utilized. This is a talented roster. You have a top 10 player in Damian Lillard. I think you have a top five center in Yusuf Nurkic. Um, CJ can get you 40 on a given night. Yes, I know he has struggled, but he's still a prolific scorer. And you also have uh, Aminu, who is a solid 3 and D player. And I just think overall, given the chemistry, the continuity of the team, the roster isn't that bad. It's far from perfect. And I'm not saying Neil O'Shea deserves any blame. I mean, we're, we're the ones leading that charge for him to hopefully, you know, get out of here. But the same with other people within the organization as well. But so let's I be real. There's only one perfect roster. And it's the Golden State Warriors. Every other team has flaws. We have flaws too. Some of them are pretty massive. Like, we have pretty bad small forwards. But, like, we have a pretty big strength in Damian Lillard and CJ when he's on. And then Nurk is producing it's not like it's the phoenix suns and it's only devin booker putting up numbers we have players that can ball yeah and so so the reason for the c plus a few actually one we are not protecting the home court i truly believe we have one of the best fan bases and home court advantages in the entire nba yet we're sitting here at 15 and 7 which is the second worst among western conference playoff teams at the moment um, we're losing too many games to I would, good teams. I mean, you look, we lost to Denver at home. We've lost to OKC at home. We've lost to Utah at home. We are losing pivotal divisional games at home. That shouldn't happen. We need to protect the home court. Um, we've lost to the Clippers at home. We've lost to the Warriors at home. So I just want to make sure that this team knows they need this is this is your bread and butter. That's how you're going to move up the standings. Everyone's pretty much going to be a 500 road team in the playoffs, you're, give or take a couple of games. The teams that are going to get home court advantage are the ones that protect their home court throughout the regular season. So that's, I think, the first knock. I think the second knock is defensively. You know, we're giving up 110 points per game. That when we started out 10 and three, it was over 100, but it was, you know, 102, 103 points per game. So the defense has not been where I think it needs to be. Um, I, I really just think that this team, I expect more from them. And so I think that's why I'm a little bit harsher on on the grading scale. And Is the defense more eye test or are you looking at like the stats and stuff? Both. I mean, the stats kind of confirm what my eye test was telling me. I, I was looking at the, the standings like, holy cow, we give up 110 points per game. That That's just, that's not great. And I, I know we're in an era where Everyone's giving up over 100, but, you know, the difference now is that the good teams are giving up 104, 105, and that's a, a five-point difference right there. So um, you also look, the Blazers continue to do things that, that hurt them time and time again. We, we've seen them. We talked about it at the game on Friday. They love the pocket pass. They love trying to thread the needle, and they continuously try to make that happen, which just leads – to fast break points and turnovers. Uh, Portland's not really apt at, at getting easy buckets on, on the break. And I think lastly, we're just underperforming uh, as a bunch. Mm. Uh, I think, I think Dame and Nurk are the only two blazers. I can say that are, that are um, pushing their own, pushing, pushing their way. Essentially. Like they, I would they say Aminu with out. rebounding. Cause it's, he's rebounding at a better rate now offensively it's still amino and it's hit or miss but one thing that like looking at the stats and my eye test is like damn we let so many 
so much pressure come from the front of the, the, the from the guards that I thought we'd be worse in terms of defensive rating, but we're middle of the pack. Can you imagine how shitty it would be to be a Cleveland Cavaliers fan being the worst defensive team in the NBA? If we're giving up pressure well, basically whenever the opposing team wants, could you imagine what it'd be like to be watching the Cleveland Cavaliers? I mean, there's a lot of bad basketball being played, and you can argue it's about like the rule changes and all that, but teams are giving up just so many points. Ugh, it, it, it's a very weird era of basketball where there's just literally <laughs> no defense played. It's about who misses the shots. Yeah, and there's always that saying throughout the course of a season, you're going to win games you shouldn't, and you're going to lose games that you, that you you should win. Um, I think Portland's just had too many of those losses. I mean, you, that, that Wizards game probably was an omen for the season. That, I mean, that, that team is a dumpster fire, yet we allowed them to beat us on our home floor. Um, you know, we lost to the Lakers at home, which, which we just don't do. We blew a 14-point lead to the Clippers at home. Uh, just all of the divisional games, especially at home. Like, I, like it really boils down. We're just not protecting our home court. Conversely, I think we're doing fantastically against the Eastern Conference, and I think that's really what is kind of saving us right now because we're only 14 and 14 inside the West. So that means we're nine and three against the East and we've handled our business against the top Eastern conference teams at home. Um, we killed the bucks, killed the Raptors, uh, killed the 76ers and won a, a really close contest against the Boston Celtics. Um, and we beat the Indiana Pacers in Indiana. So those are the top five teams in the Eastern conference, which we all have wins against. So we are doing a fantastic job against the the east which you have to do in the west but i would just like to see us really bear down a little bit more at home and protect that court because you know the fans are, are we're ready like we want to cheer we want to get up there i mean i lost my my voice a little bit cheering at, at the thunder game and you know it just it, it hasn't quite happened but thankfully we have not had a seven game losing streak at home like we did last december um in the 17-18 season but conversely, I, I don't know if you can expect a, a 10 to 13 game win streak this spring like like we had last. So it's all about pacing. And so, yes, we may be pacing ahead of last year, but you always have to remember last year we had that incredible 13 game streak. And, you know, I've been a fan for since 1990, like even the greatest of teams, like you only see those streaks once in a decade, every eight, nine, it just, it, they just, it, you know, it's crazy. Every other Western Conference team had like a 10 game streak when we were in that 13. So it really like that, that four extra games or that three extra games was the margin for home court advantage versus going to Houston or Golden State. Thank God we executed those three extra games. Absolutely. Uh, so through 40 games, I think we can kind of go pretty quick right here. Dribble, pass, shoot. We're going to bring it back. For those listeners who don't remember, dribble, you need a little bit more time. Pass, nope, you're not You're not on board with me with that. And shoot, yes, you're taking that to the bank. Dribble, pass, shoot. Damian Lillard has been the MVP of the Trailblazers this year. Absolutely. So, yeah, shoot it. I mean, limitless yeah, range, I, shoot it. I mean, the, the only person you could argue is Nurk, but he also had 10 really shitty games Damien's been consistent. He's been our rock. He's been, he's been the guy. Like 
if we keep it close, you trust that Damian Lillard is going to finish. And to have, like, arguably the top two guy at finishing it in clutch times, I mean, he has been our rock this year, so he's definitely the MVP. I mean, if he wasn't there, we'd have Seth Curry running point. Shit, shit can get bad real quick. Dribble pass shoot. Only what about you? Jokic. Oh, obviously shooting on that one. So dribble pass shoot. Only Jokic is a better center than Yusuf Nurkic right now in the entire NBA. I'd pass. I think Vooch is better. I think Joel Embiid. Vooch play no defense. Vooch is killing it statistically, though. I, yeah. I would go Joel Embiid, Jokic. Okay. I would go Vooch. And then probably uh, Nurk. He's top five, but I wouldn't go second. Okay. I forgot about Embiid, so yes, I will oh, pass. And- Cat is putting up numbers no, since Derrick Rose has been hurt. No. If you look at the numbers, he's. I, you got to win, Sage. The Timberwolves have a decent roster on paper, and they are trash. And they just fired their coach. Apparently, and they just fired Tom Thibodeau. Cat, I thought after year one was going to be better than Anthony Davis. He has not put the team on his back, and I don't think he impacts the game. Yeah, you can put up stats, but I don't think Vucevic impacts the game. Like there's there are players like Sharif Abdurrahim and Kevin Love that'll get you stats hand over fist, but I just don't think they are winning players. Um, are we counting Anthony Davis as a center because he's obviously better too? But no, he's a power forward. Okay, so I mean, I would go. I think three. he's the third best center right now. I forgot about Embiid. So I, yes, I would go Embiid one, Jokic two, um, and Nurk. And the reason. To me, this is more – this 10-game stretch, this January stretch, this is more than I've seen than the Nurk fever. Mm. Um, He has been just absolutely incredible. I mean, you look in in the last 10 games, he's shooting 55% from the field. Uh, He has almost 17 points, 11.5 boards, four dimes, a block and a half, and a steal and a half. And he's only committing three personal fouls per game. In January, yes, small sample size, I get it. But we're looking at 24 points, 15 boards, 4 assists, 2 blocks, and nearly 3 steals. Personal fouls, 2. I mean, he is... To me, if Nurt can play at this level, you have to be a buyer if you are the Portland Trailblazers. Mm-hmm. This was the internal development that we were clamoring for, yearning for. And we finally have a big who can make an impact. And I know everyone's going small and that's why it's so important to Zigging have him. Zigging while they're Exactly. He is the reason why we beat the Golden State Warriors mm. in Golden State. They had no answer for him. Um, he put up the ridiculous stat line. I believe the only player in statistical history since they, they kept the records. Um, he had 24 points, 23 boards, seven dimes, five steals, five blocks. The first blazer since Batum to have a five by five game. Um, and he did it on 10 shots. I mean, to me, that that is the key for Portland. And when I watch the Blazers and in this recent Nurk streak, when we struggle, it's when our guards cannot get him the basketball. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wish we had a John Stockton-like guard. Obviously, you don't... I'm you not can't really do Stockton. that with Dame, too. I'm not talking about Stockton, the Hall of Fame player. Stockton statistics just... Um, just in terms of knowing when to get the guy the ball at a spot at the right time. Like it just makes such a, a big difference. And that what kind of sparked that is I was rewatching 
Game 5 of the 92 Western Conference Finals on YouTube. It was the game Drexler inadvertently hit Stockton in the eye. It caused the double vision, and he had to be removed from the game. Uh, Delaney Rudd was the backup, and the announcers were saying, you know, Carl Malone would have had the ball by now. Like, he needs it right now. Well, Delaney Rudd wasn't used to playing with him as much. He obviously wasn't as skilled as Stockton, and he took too much time off the shot clock. And when you're running those post plays, you just really need to give them as much time. You need to make Mm. it as seamless as possible. And I really think Portland would benefit by going out and getting a backup point guard who is a a distributor. And I I know those kind of players are, I think they're a little bit more rare than they used to come across. But you can still find them. Like there's dudes like Bainu Udra and Jose Calderon. You're not asking for a dude that's like Chris Paul. You're asking for a guy that can, get the offense going at a good tempo. So yeah, it's I, it's not the rarest commodity but but it, it it it's in this day and age it's a little more harder but I do think that having a guy that is a playmaker would help Nurk and uh when when Dame's not on the court. I mean, so, do you know how good Nurk would be if we actually ran those pick and roll lob plays that Harden and Capella do all the time like that Paul and Giandre used to run like Whenever I see an alley from the Blazers, I kind of fall out of my seat because I it's like, it's like the first time I've seen one in seven years. I've been trying to find uh, Nurkic's usage rate in the last ten games because I feel like they have given him the ball more, but it's still not enough. Like this year, he has a usage rate of twenty four percent, which is pretty good. But I feel like they're really actually feeding the beast in the last ten games, and it's really helped us. I mean, like. There's not many teams that have just a beast that can defend them. Because, I mean, we're zigging when everyone's zagging. Well, in the first three months of the season, he was averaging right around 11 uh, field goal attempts. In January, again, three games, he is up to 14. So he's he's getting there. But He's shooting more. Is... But, but you definitely do see the, the passing more, too. Yes. Uh, the, like... I feel like he's the one big that actually could do a, like a lead-in pass. He just can't. Like when he has it in his mind, he can't just just do it because that that timing plays really hard, really easy to disrupt. But he's he's handled the ball a lot more, and I like that. Yeah, and when uh, he gets more opportunities, he's getting to the line, and he's getting to the line nine times, and he's making seven, which is a huge. Mm-hmm increase in his free throw percentage. I mean, he was 14 of 16 in that game uh, against the Sacramento Kings and Portland needed every single one as the, as they, you know, fought back and went to overtime and eventually won. Um, so I would say I've been on the fence and I, I still am a little bit. It depends on what trade is out there, but Nurk elevating his performance to Nurk fever gives me more optimism over the team rather than CJ and Dame, doing damage themselves if that makes sense so we haven't really talked about cj and he's struggling obviously like throughout the year he's struggling and i was looking at the stats you know in the previous he was on the court by himself damn near 40 percent of the time so he got his numbers and was able to dominate the game now and the, I last time I checked was about five days ago, so he has been playing by himself more, so it might have changed. But he's only been on the court by himself six percent of the time because we've trusted Evan Turner with it. I think we have to find a nice medium ground between 
Dame and CJ playing all the time because his usage rate and the fact that he's getting the ball less makes him want to dribble, 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 shoot. I think if he had the ball more, he would be more comfortable with letting the game come to him instead of forcing the game on himself. And then with Nurk having, like, being on fire right now, he's getting the ball even less. I think we need to find time for Dame to, I mean, CJ to be that main guy in the second unit more. I mean, if it's a choice between CJ and Evan Turner getting comfortable, it's got to be CJ because he's the second or third best player on our team, and Evan Turner is not in the the long-term plans of this team, whereas you can argue CJ will be. I feel like CJ is still getting his touches, though. I mean, absolutely he's, he's, is, but he's forcing like 18, it a lot more. Eighteen field goals a night. I feel like that's that's too many touches. Um, but you know what you play with so when you don't get the ball a lot, you're jacking that shit up. I think if you on, then that's on the coach. Yeah. That, again, that is my biggest problem with Terry Stotts. He's more of a buddy than a coach. He doesn't hold these players accountable. accountable. Yep. And you know, you see some of the attempts that the team takes. The quick, early in the shot clock, contested, deep. I mean, mm-hmm. just not a good look. Like That Oklahoma I, City game where wants... Dame pulled up at the Moda sign. Yeah. Like, you first know, I, play back. I get it. Everybody wants to push the pace and get their, you know, points per game up. And we're going up and down the floor. But this team actually would be better at really taking a page out of the Memphis Grizzlies book and running through Nurk. Let Dame and Nurk run that shit because – we are supremely difficult to beat when we have a big body like that down low who's able to score efficiently around the basket. He's got his weight back. He's moving extremely fluid, you know, knock on wood. And then you've got Dame who can break down any defender off the dribble and find open shooters. Uh, I just I think this team would be much better if they took their time on offense because, I, you know, th- there was no business losing that game against the Thunder. I mean, they – if they would have just – ran offense i mean i i think they win but again there's too many mishaps and you 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 don't value the possession as much as you would in the playoffs and all of a sudden you lose by two and you're like damn i really wish i could have had a couple of those possessions back so i i back to your point about about cj i think he's getting plenty of 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 touches i was thinking while watching the houston game that this is one of the first times that he's getting a chance to run with the second unit especially since evan turner moved into the starting unit and i was like you know maybe this is what he needs but again what made the second unit so special when they were playing well was they played as a team they played you know five on five as one they were moving and cutting and um it was beautiful basketball it, it came and went because obviously there's a talent gap on on that second unit but that's really where i noticed they they thrived and then if you put cj in that that role he is not a distributor he's not a facilitator he's looking to get his own but the the counterbalance is you know you could be getting one of the best scores in the game against you know reserve players um but then again you know if he's not hitting then you're just really having four other guys stand around and, and that's not good either i really do think the blazers have a cj mccollum problem in the sense that how are how are they going to use this guy? Because what has happened the past, honestly, two years, it, it, it's really not working. And uh, Stotts has experimented, to his credit, staggering the minutes, playing them together. Um, I, I just I, – I really think – and this is not a knock on CJ. I think he and Dame, their styles of play, 
everyone's been saying it for a while and I, I've been late to the party, but I, I think they're just too similar. And, you know, if, if, if we were able to use CJ, like Golden State uses Clay Thompson, um, excellent. I, I just don't think that's how CJ plays as well. Like he, he definitely likes the ball in his hands and, you know, somebody brought it up. I think it was on sports too. Um, look at Oladipo. He finally got away from Westbrook and he ran his own team and it's really working wonders for the Indiana Pacers. I think CJ just needs his own team. Yeah, exactly. I want to bring up pace and we talk about it and could you guess uh, top, where do you think the Blazers are in terms of pace? Are they a top 10 middle or bottom 10 team in regards of pace? Middle. Yep. And we, we talk about it like they're like super quick. Like, they're the 17th ranked team in pace. So, honestly, if we were like Celtics or the... I think if we took care of the basketball more, it would really help that's, us. That's exactly it, too. Like, I, I guess you could push pace more, but it seems like we love turning the ball over mm-hmm. so Some lazy much. shit, too. And it just... Probably because we watch the Blazers religiously... It feels like every turnover leads directly to a dunk or a fast break, mm-hmm. you know, outlet. And it's it's just it's the same turnover every single time. Yeah. I mean, Evan Turner's really bad at that little, I guess, a lob pass to the post guy posting up at the wing. And it's always really slow pass. And then if you, they jump that route, it's it's two every time. There's a lot of like lazy turnovers that the Blazers do just like on their offense where it's just not crisp. It's just, oh shit, I'm going to throw this away. What happens, happens type of turnovers. Dribble pass shoot. It's time to worry about Zach Collins. I'm going to just dribble. I don't. Dude, he's like 20 years old, man. You see flashes and. 21 oh he's a young man man i i oh yeah he is he can drink but like he's if we're gonna be good in the future he has to develop i'm cool with the struggling it just is what it is I, i can't be worried about zach right now oh i think you most definitely have to be worried about zach right now we were talking about internal development and had nurkic not came along these last five six games Zach Collins was the dude that we were supposed to get real growth from. So I am absolutely shooting this. I am significantly worried about Zach Collins. I'm not calling him a bust. You know, pump the brakes on that. But yeah, he's the 10th pick in a loaded-ass draft. And we passed on some major talent to take him. And he has significantly regressed month by month by month. You look at October, shooting 65% from the field in seven games and scoring 11 points, pulling down five boards with uh, two blocks. And it just drops from there. In 15 games in November, seven points. The field goal percentage, which is the huge indicator, has dropped 20%. But 60% was kind of high with how many shots he takes. Seven games is not a small sample size when he's playing 22 minutes per. So he was having a really strong first two two weeks uh, of the season, and he continued to get playing time. I mean, his minutes aren't declining um, he's, his field goal percentage, you know, was down to 43% in December, six points per game. I mean, this is a guy who I, I don't know. 
you know, I was talking to Evan uh, via text and he's like, the dude hasn't been the same since he turned 21. Obviously, we're not indicating anything other than, you know, a funny coincidence. But um, yes, big men take longer to develop. It's just harder to take when you see everyone else in that draft class doing so well. And you see another big man in Jaron Jackson Jr. in this draft who is just a complete cornerstone of a franchise. And, you know, we're trying to get this guy to just be a good reserve player. Hey, shit, John Collins pulling double-doubles every every night double-double. You know, Portland obviously passed on Donovan Mitchell, OG, um, and Anobi from the Raptors. I mean, J- Jordan Bell. I mean, he's he's had, I would say, more of an impact uh, than Zach Collins. Honestly, I feel like I cursed Zach Collins. I was hyping him up, saying I'd take him over any of the Lakers' young talent. And then after that, it seems like everything went to shit. Mm. Um, I think it's okay to worry about it. There's still a, a, another half of the season, but... Portland it's not like the Blazers at, can do anything a, about a it. tricky situation where he still has perceived value around the league as a young rookie uh, second year player. Neil O'Shea never will do this because he's a Neil guy. But Portland needs to seriously consider, OK, do we really believe in this guy or should we try and, you know, buy sell a little high? Because uh, if he has a, a pretty shitty second half of the season, his value is completely gone. He is, he is not going to have the value that he has right now. Well, I mean, as long as Neil's on this team, he's not trading one of his picks. And it's like, man, we are so cap-strapped. A young a guy that can play that is on a rookie deal, that's going to be tough for us to get rid of. Oh, I don't mind the salary. I mean, you always have to match salary when you're when you're making a trade, but... If Portland is to be a buyer and you want to get a player that can play with Dame and Nurk right now, I think Zach, is, Zach and Aminu are, are two of, of the better pieces we have to offer. I mean, CJ too, if you're really thinking big, but you know, you have to give to get. Mm. And, uh, you know, I'm not saying that, that Zach Collins needs to be traded right now. I'm also not saying it's going to turn into a Jermaine O'Neal 2.0 situation. You know, Jermaine really rarely got to play and by all accounts was tearing these guys up in practice. Um, I haven't read anything that says that Zach is just being an animal in practice and just can't get it together in the games. It's, uh, you know, I would be cautious about moving him. So let me, let me reiterate that. Like I definitely would be cautious because I don't think playing with Evan Turner is doing anyone any favors Mm -hmm. at all. Nobody can get into a rhythm. The dude turns it over three out of every four times he touches it. It sounds like, or it looks like, um, Ooh, that dude just... I, I cannot wait until 2020's age. No disrespect to Myers, but do you think if it was another archetypal big that he was playing with, he would do better? Oh, like not- Ed Davis, who yeah. we had last year? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Those okay. two had fantastic chemistry, but oh, I'm sorry, Ed Davis, you're $2 million for two years. Whew, that's just too rich for our blood. We're going to hitch our wagon to, you know, Seth Curry and Nick Stauskas. Yeah. I, I think if there was if it was a dog like that playing with Zach, I think that it would. There's things that I think would make Zach's life easier because there really isn't any offensive rebounding with Myers Leonard since he's out of the three point line all the time. And if Zach, like if they're running pick and pop, there there's no way we're getting offensive rebounds. But when it was Ed Davis who knew his role exactly, he there were second shots. You know, I don't know. It, it, it's tough for me to see how Ed Davis wouldn't have helped our team. 
But, I mean, we're going, this week we're going to be talking about a guy that also would have helped us. Oh, yeah, Noah Von Lee. Yeah. He's killing Abu. it. Yeah, he's ki- But, uh. Another trade exception we will likely not use. Oh, absolutely not, no. You know, I, I was hoping, like, we would use it in order to, like, facilitate trades now. Like, you know, the summer we just use that exemption on a guy who won't be part of the team, but will use a salary. And then we could use that actual player to trade with, you know, a group of guys to get something good. But I don't think that's happening. Dribble, pass, shoot. Outside of the Warriors, there is no team in the Western Conference the Blazers can't beat. In, in a seven series, okay. So yeah, seven game series. So you say Blazers versus Rockets, Spurs, Clippers, etc. It would be a battle with the Thunder, but I think we probably would get it if we had home court. So I, yeah, I, I kind of roll with that. I, I do too. Yeah. I was, just, you know, Th- thinking Thunder, about that. Or, Thunder, and Nuggets are two and three or something like that. In yeah, the new, yeah, like one and two, one and two. Oh, okay, and Warriors are. Yeah, but you, we're avoiding – we would like to avoid the Warriors yeah. at all costs. and so I, I'm not saying we would beat the Nuggets or the Thunder. I'm saying I wouldn't fear those I teams. wouldn't bet against us. I would feel like it's a push, and yeah, whoever's, I, you know, has home court seventh game probably wins. You know, the Warriors are the only team I do not want to play in the first round. We've played them enough. I know how that story ends. Give me the lottery before, before that happens. So they're – keep an eye on the standings because coming down to the season – the stretch, the last week of the year, you're going to see a lot of teams jockeying for position mm-hmm. to avoid that that Warriors team because I I do not think Golden State will end up with a number one overall seed. I don't think they give a shit. Exactly, they don't give a shit, and there's other teams that do. Um, so that's that's something to to consider. Who are the untouchables right now for you? Dame. That's it. Yes, yeah. I would trade Nurk only if it only if it was combined with with like CJ to get an Anthony Davis. Mm-hmm. Like I need that type of player back if I'm giving up Nurk. Mm-hmm. So he's basically untouchable because I don't think we're gonna get. Like I would not trade Nurk for um, a top three protected pick. If you're gonna get a pick, it's got to be unprotected. Um, mm-hmm. And also, I think Nurk makes that team better. And I don't think. It, yeah, then we won't get the pick. Yeah, so I it's basically untouchable. Dame is. Unless Dame demands a trade, like we need to keep that 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 dude. Like as long as we're, but there's no way he's gonna demand a trade in season. No, no. Yeah, what, I what think he, he if he does, it's gonna be summertime. I think he respects us enough to be like, I'll wait until the season, and then you can get the most you can for me. It's not gonna be in season trading, Dame. That's yeah, foolish. I, I don't. I don't think he'll he'll demand a trade. But so Dame is my untouchable Nurk. Almost. You? Everyone else, fair game. Yeah. yeah, I'm not really attached to anyone else. I really like the way Nurks played, but if it was to facilitate like a big star moving here, like if it was like not saying he could get traded, but like I I would do it for Paul George or something like that. Dame, it's got to be some kick-ass offer, but like he's been so loyal to the city and all that stuff. So it's it's hard to trade away someone who's been loyal. And I mean, I mean we took a chance on him and he's paid back so handsomely. I couldn't I mean, do if, it. To- if you were to say you could trade Dame for LeBron James, I would not do it. And I, I know LeBron is more talented. He's the better basketball player. 
But at some point, you want to win with some of your own homegrown mm-hmm. guys. Like, we drafted Dame. Like, this isn't the Yankees where we're not just buying everybody. Like, it would feel kind of dirty. Like, I want to win with the guy that has got us here. You, you know what I mean? I would do it for Giannis, but it's not ever happening. Nope, not even. No, I, it's like, Dame is the Blazers. So, like, it, if he's in his prime, we are going to – he's our captain. Like, we either are going to, you know, sink or swim with him. And that's who I'm latching on to. So this is something I've been researching for the Pelicans, but it all obviously works with Damian Lillard as well. No elite guy has ever signed that third contract without getting to the conference finals. The one guy that ruins that statistic is John Wall, but he took the bag on the Wizards hard. Do you think we really need to load up for next year so we can get Dame to the conference finals so he won't be one of the he won't look at the team and see we haven't really done shit it might be time for me to go do you see any worry in that next year no no first of all dudes no no dude is going to leave that that type of paper on the table like you take that and if it doesn't work out then you can privately ask for a trade um, love him or hate him. It's what Carmelo did. And it was maybe yeah. not, the, didn't work out the best for him. Cause I think he waited a little bit too long. Um, but no, nobody's going to leave, leave that money on the table. Dame loves the city, loves the team. Um, I think Portland needs to make calculated trades and, and transactions. Mm. And what I mean by that is if you're going to take on salary past 2020, it has to be an impact player. It can't just be for someone you think is going to be an impact player. It has to be something like a sure thing because we have Aminu coming off the books this year. If we don't move him, Harkless, Leonard, and Turner after the 2020 season. And so that's going to give Portland the flexibility to um, have a bigger mid-level exception, have some cap space, mm. actually. Um, then we can make so- unbalanced trades, too. Yes, just... I think that that is the key one, um, and I think that's where Neil actually shines is when he's able to take on salary for for a trade. I mean, I think believe, I believe that's how we got Robin Lopez. Um, yeah, you so, took on yeah, yeah. So I would, I would look at that. I mean, I know some people are talking about Otto Porter, and he's too weak minded. Yeah, that contract to me is a little too steep. Um, and he's not quite impactful enough. No, he's too scared to shoot sometimes, and then he's weak mentally. I no, I don't. I don't want to auto porter, even though in theory, if this was NBA two K, he'd be perfect. But at the same time, maybe a player just of his caliber gets Portland up to the second seed out west. I mean, they're like I said, the Warriors are regardless of record, the Warriors are number one for this year. Every other team has their flaws, and every other team. It's just going to be like a, a cage fight. Mm-hmm. And, and if you, we can stir up one of those flaws, that'd be really nice. Exactly. So I think, honestly, the team that makes the best move mm-hmm. at the deadline, those are the teams that are going to get home court advantage. I mean, mm-hmm. I know the Rockets are looking to to acquire more talent. Um, it's a, an arms race, bro. It really it is. is. And if we're sitting on our hands, we're going to be the one that's chilling in you know, April, getting bounced mm-hmm. in the first round. And then you got to worry about teams behind you mm-hmm. making moves. I mean, the the Jazz just acquired Kyle Korver, and you know they're slow. They're they're now a game and a half out of eighth after mm-hmm. being completely out of it for a while. So, um, really, outside of the Phoenix Suns, 
in the Golden State Warriors as those mm-hmm. one fifteen outliers. Two through thirteen, it, it's it's going to be you know just a jumbled, a mm-hmm. jumbled mess, and uh, I don't think anybody could really predict how it's going to to kind of play out. But that, that's kind of the beauty of the sport and why we why we watch over the second half of the season. Um, what would you do? You asked me the question. What would you do? I think you have to get involved in the arms race in some sort. Are there any targets out there that you like? I still like Harrison Barnes, but I know that'd be a rental. I don't know. It's tough, man. I I want it to be a smart pickup. I wouldn't mind using CJ for an elite small forward. If we can get like a good a great small forward and then pick just just find some dog shit off the scrap heap to play like twenty minutes at shooting guard. I really think that those two just I don't know, man. It's it's tough. Uh but I, I, I hope to God we see like Blazers are interested in X like when you know when Woj talks about like people on the block, I hope I see the Trailblazers name in that tweet. Like Trailblazers are talking to him. Like I th- I just want talent on this team, man. Talent that can actually get buckets. Dude, if that happened, straight up and down, that's like the perfect pairing between Damon and, and a guard. Uh, people said Donovan Mitchell, but he's having that sophomore slump. Victor Oladipo. I'd rather have Drew Holiday, bro, because he's the best defensive prospect, uh, defensive player in the NBA right now. Can get 20 whenever the fuck he wants. Drives to the hoop. Who the fuck can drive to the hoop other than Dame? Yeah. If we traded for Drew Holiday, I would be the biggest fan of this team. Because Drew Holiday is my favorite player in the NBA. I think defense wins games. I I tweeted out a while ago, Nurk, to me, needs to be in the defensive player of the year conversations. I think he's had that much of an impact, even since we've acquired him. Mm -hmm. We were a terrible defensive team before Yusuf Nurkic. And you know we're respectable now. I think we could yeah, be better. Yeah, of the pack defensively. We could be better, but it's has it's it's. But just not think, if Drew Holiday was at the front of the Blazers' defensive attack, there wouldn't be that much leakage into Nurk, so he has to help, and then that center gets that rebound because Nurk is completely and utterly out of position because CJ just let let his guy get to the hoop easily. Ugh. Yeah, if if. If the Pelicans were willing to accept a CJ McCollum for Drew trade, that'd be, I couldn't say fast. Yes, fast enough. It From a New Orleans perspective, taking off your love for Drew Holiday glasses, they're 18 and 22, three and seven in their last 10, and three and a half out of the eighth seed at, at the moment. From a Pelicans perspective, would they even be interested? In I don't think they Drew? could. Nah, he's too much. Are they waiting until the off season to make any moves? I think they'll make a move. This, this, uh, I think they'll be one of the teams that loads up on talent. I don't know if that talent will work out for the team, but they're always that. I mean, Dell Dumps is always about like getting that talent, regardless of position. He just wants talent, and you know, you see pros and cons to that philosophy, but you also see pros and cons to what Neil O'Shea is doing with just sticking it out. So there, you know, a lot of luck happens in making trades and stuff because, you know, we look at Nurk and it's like, he's perfect. But do you think Neil O'Shea thought this guy will be perfect 
all like the entire time he made that trade? Hell no. The first round pick was the, the, the prize yeah, of that deal. Yeah, exactly. Or I remember the Wizard. I mean, the Warriors wanting Dwight Howard. Could you imagine what that team would be like if they had Dwight Howard instead of Kevin Durant? Or the flexibility to get Kevin Durant. A lot of luck happens in these tr- trades. I like. I remember hearing a story about like Denver and Atlanta trying to make the trade for Al Horford, but Al Horford signed with Boston, which ruined a trade for Atlanta. A lot of luck happens in these offseason and during season transitions or transactions. Excuse me. So it a lot of luck takes place. So hopefully the luck is on our side if we choose actually make a trade and a real trade not trading uh, a person on a rookie scale deal for a trade exception that will never ever be used speaking of luck i'm reading a book about the 1984 nba draft and how it changed the outlook uh, of the entire nba fun fact Stu inman who yes he did fuck up and pick sam Bowie. portland had a second first round pick number 19 they were hoping John Stockton would fall to them. And when he went to the Jazz at 16, he called Frank Layden immediately and was like, hey, are you guys really keeping this kid? He's like, yeah. So John Stockton could have been, you know, a, a trailblazer. And it's a quick tangent. It's just so funny how the narrative and how smarter I think people are um, philosophically when it comes to basketball. Back then, it was just like, you have to have a big man. Bigs, 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 bigs. Like, that's how you win championships. And, you know, Jordan completely changed that that ideology. Um, so pretty pretty good read if you get a chance to do it. Um, it's a little painful, but at the same time, you, you find out tidbits. You know, Portland also found Jerome Kersey, I think, with a 46th pick. They got lucky there. Um, it just – it kind of blows my mind that Portland could have drafted Jordan, Stockton, and Jerome Kersey in one draft. Like, that is the greatest haul anybody in any draft would have ever had. Mm. I mean, hey, man. Again, it's luck. It's 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 absolute. The the Bulls still had to sell themselves on Michael Jordan because he wasn't a big. They were like, mm-hmm. ooh, we we kind of need Sam Perkins maybe, or you know, Mel Turpin from from mm-hmm. Kentucky. Like, there's. It, it's just crazy. It's. Mm-hmm. I mean, and then you see the uh, like the strategies and the the philosophies that GMs used in that time and they're still flawed strategies and philosophies in 2018 kind of like signing Evan Turner to a big contract I mean it came down to a coin flip for Olajuwon mm-hmm. imagine if Portland wins that and they have Olajuwon for 20 years or if Patrick Ewing who was uh, a champion as a junior in 84 decides he wants to come out then Portland gets Olajuwon or Ewing so it, it just like you said, it's so much. There's so much luck in, in this game. Mm-hmm. I mean, yo, the Bucks drafted Giannis. Giannis. Do you really think that they thought this was going to be the most transcendent small forward in the last fucking ever when they picked him? Absolutely no. not. There's luck. There's luck, and you know the culture that you have or surrounding your team is important. I mean, let's look at this draft now. Or yeah, let's look at this draft now. Is there a can't-miss pr- uh, prospect on any level? Or does it help to have a culture surrounding that player so he can develop in a safe environment? I feel like there might Zion might be it, but he also probably could use uh, 
a good culture surrounding him. I remember when Ben McLemore was getting a uh, was drafted, he looked like a can't miss prospect, and then he went to the Kings, and his career has been shit since. Getting drafted by the right team helps. Da- you could look at Damian Lillard; he could have easily busted out if he was drafted by the Kings. The Kings are that trash organization. A lot of these players could be great if they're drafted by the right team. Absolutely. I think that's a great transition into our quick commercial break. After the break, we will discuss Portland's upcoming week. And here's a quick break from our sponsors. You are listening to The Holy Backboard on the Sage Digital and Nothing But Net networks. For more on your trailblazers, go to iTunes, search The Holy Backboard, and subscribe today. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Holy Backboard Podcast. Dustin and Sage here getting ready to break down the upcoming week's slate of games. It is a home-heavy slate for the Trailblazers, and one in which, I'll say it right now, they have to go 3-0. We have the Knicks on Monday, the Bulls on Wednesday, and the Charlotte Hornets on Friday to round out Portland's five-game homestand. Portland is 1-1 on the current uh, homestand right now, Sage. They have these are three must-win games. Mm. We are we all we have heard through this first half of the season is how difficult the Trailblazers' schedule has been. Well, this well, is it's about to ease up right now, and you must make them. You pay. know what the narrative's gonna be if they lose one, though. You know what it's gonna be. It's gonna be we have time. We have time. Long season, eighty-two games. Yeah, well, these are pretty easy games for us to win we better win all three and if we don't it's gonna be a real disappointment and i get it Kemba walker could go for 60 but you know what we're still a superior team to them so we really should handle biz against these teams and i know in the past we have sucked against teams that we should beat out because we underestimate them these are still nba teams and you can't underestimate nba caliber players and each team has them all of these teams are under 500. The Hornets are respectable, 18 and 20, like you mentioned, dangerous with Kemba Walker, but an abysmal 4 and 12 away from from Charlotte. Both the Bulls and Knicks are just atrocious. The Knicks 10 and 29. The Bulls 10 and 30. Uh, the Knicks 6 and 17 on the road. The Bulls 5 and 14. Neither of those teams has a player who I feel like can take over a game. Um, Tim Hardaway gets the ball enough. Like his usage rate is game like he gets the ball so much for the Knicks and you know he could get hot especially with who we have defending him he potentially could get hot and it's the Bulls Zach Levine gets the ball like I think who this statistic might be a little old but his usage rate is fifth in the NBA right now so they there's guys that could get hot but they also could get shut the fuck down but they're just gonna shoot so I'm already going to say this. The Blazers are going to go 3-0. and We're going to win each of these games. And I think the reasoning is it's going to be more NERC, more fever. Get your, get your symptoms ready. Get your medicines ready. Like He is going to feast on these teams. But what I want to see, can we get him more field goal attempts? Can we come out and play with a killer instinct and just stomp on these fools? Can we get Dame some rest? He doesn't need to be playing 35 minutes plus in all of these contests. You know, we've had a lot of uh, – we've been playing a lot of basketball lately. You know, a lot of back-to-backs, three and four nights. Um, the Blazers obviously travel more than any team in the entire NBA. So those those are some key indicators that I'm looking for. Not, not just are we winning, but how are we looking 
because that, I think, could really tip the scale into what Portland decides to do come February's trade deadline. You know, if, if we're laser focused and handle business, this is the sign of a team that's starting to take things seriously. But if they're a little sloppy and they come out slow and they're not able to put a team away, then it's like, oh, you know, same, same Blazers. Like they're just too inconsistent, too high variance. Um probably pump the brakes on adding any talent to this team just because they're going to continue to be a roller coaster. So while they're three sub 500 opponents, I think the way Portland plays and performs will tell us a lot about the, um, the complexion and uh, kind of the combination of what this team's really about. Yeah. I mean, like, man, Nurk is going to have some easy games because they're not playing Cantor anymore because he's on a one-year contract and is probably not going to be part of their major rotation in the future. So it's Luke Cornett, and uh, man, I, I think it's Luke Cornett getting like 35-plus minutes yeah. with Noah Vonley and Kevin Knox as the power forwards. Um, Chicago has some decent guys. Robin Lopez is still there putting in consensus, but Wendell Carter is a foul monster. Laurie Markkinen isn't built for it. And Bobby Portis, I think, just got hurt again. And then Zeller got has a broken hand for Charlotte, which means it's Willie Herman Gomez is the main center for that team. So it's him and Frank the Tank trying to defend Nurk. That's easy cookies all week for Nurkic. It's got to be. It, it it has to be. I want to see Nurk. I want to get to the point where we're talking about Nurk being a, an all star snub. I don't. I don't. I think there's too much talent, especially with Braun. Um, coming over and Paul George staying in, in OKC. Um, I just think there's too much talent in, in the West right now for Portland to get two, two all-stars. But I, I want to get to the point where it's a legit, like you look at TNT and they're, they're saying who their snubs are mm. and, and Nurk's on that list. Mm-hmm. Like I think this is the Dame's week for him to team. do it. Yeah. yeah Dame's going to make the team, you know, knock on wood. But uh, I think Portland elevates if we're actually talking about, Nurkic is an all-star. I know the campaign is for Damon CJ, but Nurk's the second best player in this team. And he's been performing like an all-star, but can he consistently do it throughout the rest of the season? So I think it's real. All of those teams that we're playing this week kind of suck. Who are the players that scare you? Who Because there's always that random dude. Every team gets incredibly hot against us and goes for 20 when he averages 6. It happens every game. Who are those so, guys that scare you? The, the main answer is the Blazers. The Blazers scare me the most mm. because you don't know what team you're going to get. But if I can remove that from there, I would say from the Knicks, um, it is – shit, what's his name? Emmanuel Moody. Guard. Trey yeah, Burke. It's Emmanuel Moody. He's starting for him right now. He I, played well against us in, in New York um, for the Hornets outside of Kemba. Kemba. I, Jeremy Lamb is injured right now. I don't know if he'll be injured when we play them, but right now they're starting Devontae Graham with Malik Monk off the bench. And holy shit, I've watched a lot of bad basketball if I know this much about each team. <laughs> I would say for Charlotte, it's probably Kemba. Um, he's just so quick. We don't. Dame isn't waterbug quick. He's smooth. So that guy, that kind of scares me because he could just—he's just such a quick guard. And then for the Bulls, 
I think you hit the nail on it. I think it's Zach Levine. I think he has... He gets the ball so much. Yep. He has a lot of usage, and he has just the capabilities of... He has the capabilities of just taking over a game. Um, it doesn't happen consistently. Um, it could, popular. though. Yeah, it could. And then I watch, like Chris Dunn, though. And then watch Markkinen. Oh, yeah. Um, Markkinen's shoot, nice, man. He shoot, takes, shoot, like, shoot. 20 shots a game, bro. Yeah. So he could get hot if we don't defend him, but... I fully expect the Blazers to win all three. And to be honest, I would hope they were all by double figures. I think we need to finally take advantage of a let up in the schedule. And okay. Again, yeah. This this is going to be a, a big eye test for me. What this, are the excuses going to be if we lose one? Outside of injury, let's not include that. But what are the excuses that people are going to say when we look at it and it's a 2 and one week? If it's a 2 and one week, what are the excuses going to be? You can't win them all. Um, Portland wasn't focused enough. We let our guard down. We didn't come out with enough intensity. Isn't that shit annoying to fucking... You know if that shit happens, it's gonna be an excuse like that. Isn't that shit... Look how tight the fucking West is. We can't take any game easy. But you know that this team has. And it's built into their core that they take shit easy. I mean, it's happened this year, it's happened last year, it's happened the year before that. It's part of the culture. We really need to take the time and, like, show them that you can't take any, no half-stepping on any of these games. I think that's a great way to to end the pod. No half-stepping, let's go all in. Uh, Sage, do you have any any plugs? Honestly, just... There's going to be a lot of dope shit coming out from me and the companies that I do. Just keep a lookout on Twitter. Follow us at the Holy Backboard PDX. Or is it just the Holy Backboard? I don't know. Holy Backboard, baby. Okay, and Desage. D-A-S-A-G-E on Twitter. Um, but yeah, just keep fucking with us, man. It, it's going to be a fun rest of the year. And we're here with you. We're here with you talking about all this shit. And there's not that many people that are willing to talk about, like, you know the the way the Blazers media has made excuses for the team's lackluster's play. It's it's usually for people it's all roses. Sometimes the rose city isn't all roses. Sometimes there's some poo poo on the roses. I would have went with thorns, but yours works as well. I was trying to do the outcast line, but I kind of forgot it. And <laughs> all right, we'll be back every Sunday. Moving forward after the holiday break, thanks for listening with us. Have a great rest of your day, whatever time you're listening to this episode. And as always, Sage, it's a great day to be a trailblazer. Wherever you may be, this is Bill Shinley. Good night, everybody. Let's go! Let's go.